Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 18. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. So Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. That's on page 927 in the Pew Bible. So if you pull one of those Bibles out from the rack in front of you, it's on page 927. And also, if you yourself don't own a Bible, you don't have a, a Bible, um, you're welcome to take that one with you as a gift from us. We'd love for everyone to have a copy of the scriptures uh, of their own. Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas, arrived from Macedonia, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, You are blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. For now, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, who was a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Henry Thompson. I am the new resident pastor at Christ Community Brookside. I have been here for about two months, and I'm so thankful to be here at Christ Community with you all, and I look forward uh, to meeting more of you over the next two years. Um, I'll be preaching today, of course. Um, so before we begin, uh, let us pray. Father, uh, thank you for this opportunity to preach your word this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I pray that you would be glorified in this sermon, Lord, and that you would use this uh, word to build up and encourage your people, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I am glad that it is Jazz Sunday because I love jazz music. When I, ver when I first visited Kansas City, to interview for the pastoral residency at Christ Community, I went to go visit the American Jazz Museum in Kansas City. At this museum, I learned about the rich jazz history of Kansas City. I also learned that one of my favorite jazz musicians, Charlie Parker, was born and raised in Kansas City. Kansas City may not have the best barbecue ever, I know, I know, I know. This, here's, the silver, here, here's the silver lining. But Kansas City did produce the best jazz alto saxophone player ever, Charlie Parker. 
When I was in high school, I found Charlie Parker to be inspiring because I too played alto saxophone in the jazz band at my school. In high school, I was on a mission to be the best jazz saxophone player at my school. This mission began my sophomore year of high school. Jazz band was competitive at my school. We had three jazz bands. The first jazz band was the best. The second jazz band was the second best. And the third jazz band was, of course, the third best or the worst, depending on how you want to say it. And at the beginning of the jazz band season, we had auditions. The band director would judge us during these auditions and place us in one of the three jazz bands based on our audition scores. My sophomore year, I was placed in the second jazz band as the second alto saxophone player. I was devastated because I wanted to, of course, be in the first jazz band. I wanted to be the best, so I started practicing for hours every day. I was on a mission and nothing was going to stop me. I ate, slept, and breathed saxophone over the next year. My junior year, I auditioned for jazz band again, and I got placed in the first jazz band as the first alto saxophone player. I was ecstatic because I had persevered and accomplished my mission. And we all have a mission in life, right? Some of you may be on a mission to be the best in your career field. Some of you may be on a mission to start a great company. Some of you may be on a mission to be the best athlete or student at your school. Some of you may be on a mission to raise intelligent and kind children. What is your mission? We all have an individual mission, but as Christians, we have a unifying mission. We are called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and live out the gospel in every area of our lives. We are also called to make disciples but it can be easy to lose sight of this mission as Christians. In the age of smartphones and the internet, it is easy to be distracted from our mission. The busy grind of life can also distract us from our mission as Christians. Have you ever lost sight of the mission we have as Christians? In all honesty, I have at times lost sight of this mission. In our text today, Paul and the other Jewish Christians in our text show us how to live on mission today. In our text this morning, we will learn four things to be on mission as Christians. The first thing we learn is that wherever we are, we should be on mission. Wherever we are, we should be on mission. We should be on mission wherever we are throughout our week. Now for a brief recap, In Acts 16, Paul began his second missionary journey. During his second missionary journey, Paul went to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. Last week, we focused on Paul's missionary journey to Athens. In our text this morning, Paul is in the city of Corinth. Let's look back at our text this morning, starting from Acts 16, Acts 18. I got to know my text this morning. Acts 18, verse 1. It reads, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, 
he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. After Paul winsomely proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ in Athens, he went to the city of Corinth to continue his mission. Corinth was a large city with a strong economy. Corinth was also a city of trade and commerce because it was on the sea and it had two large ports. Now, when Paul entered into the city of Corinth, he connected with a Jewish couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila are Jewish Christians who probably came to faith through the church in Rome. In verse 3, we see that Paul and Aquila left Rome because they faced persecution for their ethnic heritage. Priscilla and Aquila were basically refugees like we encounter in our society today. Priscilla and Aquila were not only Christian refugees, they were also entrepreneurs and business people. They ran a small startup as tent makers in Corinth. When Paul arrived in Corinth, he connected with Priscilla and Aquila. Paul connected with Priscilla and Aquila because they had the same trade of tent making. So Paul stayed at the home of Priscilla and Aquila, and he worked with them as tent makers in Corinth. The word tent making probably refers to leather working because tents were often made out of leather during this era. These Christian refugees, Priscilla and Aquila, are able to support Paul on his mission through their work. In verse 4, we see that Paul worked during the week with Priscilla and Aquila, and on the Sabbath day, Paul would go to the synagogue and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul proclaimed the gospel to Jews and Gentiles at the synagogue. The apostle Paul worked full-time as a tent maker, but he also was on mission full-time. Priscilla and Aquila also used their skills as tent-making entrepreneurs to further the mission of God to the people in Corinth. Despite their difficult circumstances as refugees, they lived on mission as Christians. Through Paul's work, he was able to support his mission to the people within Corinth. Paul was not only on mission when he was in the synagogue proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was on mission when he was faithfully working as a tent maker in Corinth with Priscilla and Aquila. Paul did not create a false separation between his work and his proclamation of the gospel. Wherever Paul was, he was on mission. Like Paul, we should be on mission wherever we are. Prior to going to, to seminary in the Chicago area, I worked full-time at a grocery store called Aldi. I would usually go to my job at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning. We received daily truck drop-offs of food items. I would take the food items off the pallets they were delivered on and sit them on the shelves in the store. I also labored in the freezer, setting the items on the freezer pallets on the shelves. This was physical work that required speed and stamina. This is why I was probably at least 25 pounds lighter than I am now when I worked at Aldi. While I worked at Aldi, many of my friends worked in quote-unquote full-time ministry. But I had to learn that my work was not less than their work. I had to learn that my work at Aldi was pleasing and glorifying to God, and I also had to learn that my work was part of how God was calling me to be on mission. Through my work at Aldi, I was able to build relationships with non-believers, that often led to spiritual conversations. I was also able to show people the love of Christ at my job through working faithfully. 
Many of you work in engineering, business, healthcare, education, or government. I also know that many of you spend the majority of your working time raising children as a stay-at-home parent. And I know some of you are currently in school working as a full-time student. In addition, some of you may have entered the stage of retirement, but wherever you are now, know that you can be on mission like Paul. You are not only on mission when you're in the church and doing church-related activities, you are on mission on Monday in your neighborhood, on your job, or in your school. You can be on mission wherever you are at throughout your week. You can build relationships with your classmates, neighbors, or coworkers that lead to natural gospel conversations. And I would encourage you to be intentional about building relationships with Christians in your neighborhood, school, or workplace. This will provide you with support to be on mission wherever you are throughout the week. Like Priscilla, Paul, and Aquila, we can be on mission wherever we are throughout our week. As we move back to our text this morning, we see another thing we must learn to be on mission as Christians. The second thing we learn is that we should persevere on mission. We should persevere on mission. We should endure on mission as Christians. Let's look back at verse 5 of our text. It reads, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own head. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, believed the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. While Paul is on mission in Corinth, the Christians Silas and Timothy meet Paul in Corinth. Like Priscilla and Aquila, Silas and Timothy were partners with Paul on mission. Silas and Timothy were coming from the city of Philippi in the province of Macedonia prior to coming to Corinth in Acts 16. Paul helped establish the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi gave Paul a financial gift to support his missionary work. Timothy and Silas delivered this financial gift to Paul in verse 5. This gave Paul the opportunity to take a break from tent making to preach the gospel more frequently to Jews and Gentiles in the synagogue. Paul was preaching the truth that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. As Paul preached about Jesus Christ within the synagogue, he started to face opposition from some Jews in Corinth. The opposition became so great that Paul decided to stop preaching about Jesus at the synagogue. Paul was probably kicked out of the synagogue for preaching about Jesus, but this opposition does not stop Paul. Paul begins to preach the gospel at the house of Titus Justice, a God-fearing Gentile. Ironically, this house is right next door to the synagogue where Paul had faced severe opposition. Now imagine for a moment, imagine that you guys kicked me out this church and didn't let me preach here anymore. And the next day you saw me at this house right here preaching the gospel with a megaphone. You would think, okay, Henry, he's persevering. Like he's not giving up. He's not letting go. Paul doesn't give up. 
When Paul faced opposition from the Jews in the synagogue, he kept going. The next day, he shows up at the house right next to the synagogue he got kicked out of to once again preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's perseverance in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus paid off big. In verse 8, we see that the synagogue ruler, Crispus, came to faith in Jesus Christ. I don't want you to miss this. Paul's perseverance leads to the most unlikely person being saved, the synagogue ruler. The synagogue ruler probably played a big role in Paul getting kicked out of the synagogue. The synagogue ruler probably opposed Paul in the synagogue as he proclaimed the gospel. But Paul's perseverance leads to Crispus, the Jewish synagogue ruler, and his household coming to faith in Jesus Christ. At the end of verse 8, we see that many people came to faith in Jesus due to Paul's perseverance in proclaiming the gospel. Like Paul, we should persevere on mission. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I love history. I like learning about history, and I particularly enjoy learning about American history. And one American historical figure that I find inspiring for her perseverance is Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer is one of the heroines of the Civil Rights Movement. Fannie Lou Hamer was born in Mississippi, and she was committed to securing the right to vote as a black woman in the state of Mississippi. Prior to 1965, almost every African-American was denied the right to vote in Mississippi and in other southern states. Fannie Lou Hamer was on a mission to get all African-Americans in the South the opportunity to vote as American citizens. In 1962, Fannie Lou Hamer went to Indonola, Mississippi to register to vote. That's a country name, Indonola. But when she arrived at her home, in Rueville, Mississippi, she was confronted by her boss who told her to withdraw her voter registration. When she refused to withdraw her voter registration, she was fired from her job and kicked out of her housing on the plantation where she had worked for 18 years. She lost her job and housing, but this did not turn Fannie Lou Hamer for her mission. After she lost her job and housing, she moved in with a friend and one day someone fired 12 bullets into the home she was staying in trying to take her life. Most people would have given up at this point, but Fannie Lou Hamer kept fighting to secure the voting rights of all people in the state of Mississippi. She was beaten in prison, and she faced constant death threats for fighting for the voting rights of African Americans, but none of this deterred her from her mission, and her labor was not in vain. In 1965, the Voting Rights Act was passed. This legislation gave African-Americans in Mississippi and other southern states the right to vote. Despite great opposition, Fannie Lou Hamer continued to persevere on her mission, and we too should persevere on our mission. And this can be hard. I know some of you may be one of the only Christians at your school, or you may be one of the only Christians at your job, in your community, or in your family. We also live in a postmodern culture that is hostile to the truth claims of Christianity. In our context, it is not easy to proclaim the truth that Jesus is the Savior of the world. It is also hard to proclaim the truth that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Some people in our culture believe that there are many ways to God. And many people in our culture doubt that there is even a God because they only believe in our materialistic world. 
Despite these realities, I admonish you to persevere on mission as Christians. We should continue to share the gospel and live out the gospel as Christians. And I will be honest, I'm at times fearful to share the gospel because I'm afraid of rejection and opposition. But we must remember that many people are longing for the truth of the gospel. So we should refrain from keeping it to ourselves. We should persevere on our mission. Some of you may be thinking, okay, Henry, I get it. I should persevere on mission. But how do I persevere on mission? I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not Fannie Lou Hamer. So how do I persevere on mission as a Christian? This is a great question. If we are going to persevere on mission, there's a truth we must remember. This leads me to the third point in the sermon. We must remember that God is with us on mission. God is with us on mission. We must remember that the God of the universe is with us as we are on mission for his glory. Let's look back at our text beginning in verse 9. It reads, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. But when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names of your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. God appeared to Paul in a vision. In this vision, God commanded Paul to not be afraid. And he commands Paul to not be silent. He commands Paul to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this vision, Paul also reminds him that he's with him on his mission. Paul was able to keep persevering on mission because God reminded him that he was with him on his mission. God also informed Paul that he would not be harmed. In addition, he told Paul that he had many people in this city that would come to faith through his proclamation of the gospel. This vision from Paul, God led Paul to stay in the city of Corinth for a year and a half. During this year and a half, Paul was taken to court by some of the Jews in Corinth. Paul was accused of breaking the law due to his proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Judaism was a protective religion under Roman law, but Christianity was not a protective religion. So the Jews were trying to show Galileo, the judge, that what Paul was proclaiming was fundamentally different than Judaism. It would have been hard for a Gentile or a non-Jewish person to distinguish Judaism from Christianity because all the main Christian leaders were Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Peter was Jewish. The 12 disciples were all Jewish. Priscilla and Aquila were Jewish. Jesus Christ, our Savior himself, was Jewish. Our Christian faith has undeniable Judaic roots. Due to this reality, Galileo, the judge, is unable to distinguish Christianity from Judaism. 
he views the dispute between Paul and the other Jews as an in-house theological debate. So he refuses to take their complaint against Paul seriously, and he removes the Jews from his court. Paul doesn't even have to speak. God protected Paul on his mission. The beginning of verse 18 says, after this, Paul stayed many days longer. Despite opposition, Paul was able to persevere on mission because he was reminded of the truth that God was with him. He was reminded that God would keep him on his mission. Like Paul, we should remember that our God is with us on mission. Now, I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but my dad is from Gary, Indiana. I know many of you may have never heard of Gary, Indiana, or probably even Fort Wayne, Indiana, for that matter. But Gary is known historically for producing steel, and a number of people in my family worked in the steel mills, including my grandfather. Now, as a kid, I loved going to Gary, Indiana. Usually every summer, starting in fifth grade, I would spend a month in Gary at my Aunt Helen and Uncle Bob's house. I enjoyed going to Gary because I got to spend time with my cousins, also got to go to my grandmother Rosetta's house, and everybody was always at my grandma's house. Also loved Gary because I got to hang out with my cousin Kendall, who was my age. I had a baby sister named Jordan growing up, but I did not have a brother. Kendall was like the brother I never had. Whenever I came to Gary, we would hang out all day. Wherever he went, I went. We were always together. This was a good thing because it seemed like the kids in Gary got into more physical fights than the kids I lived around in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this was a problem because I could not fight. I lacked experience in the area of physical fighting. I mean, I had a baby sister, so I couldn't fight her. But my cousin Kendall knew how to fight. He had two older brothers, and he had a good amount of experience in the area of fighting. Sometimes I would be a little afraid to go out in Gary because I was afraid that someone might try to fight me for some reason. But then I remembered that my cousin Kendall was with me. And I knew that if anybody tried to fight me, my cousin Kendall would fight them. When I remembered that my cousin was with me, I wasn't fearful about facing opposition from anyone. In a much higher and holier way, we do not have to be afraid of facing opposition on mission because God is with us. The God who created the universe. The God who spoke the world into existence. The God who created man and woman from the dirt. The God who split the Red Sea in half to set his people free from slavery in Egypt. The God who caused the walls to fall around Jericho so his people could enter the promised land. The God who has the cattle on a thousand hills. The God that is all-powerful and sovereign. The God who made a way for us to be set free from sin and death. This God goes with us on mission. Mission. Through faith in Jesus Christ, all Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God is with us on mission. God is with you when you go to your job. God is with you when you go to your school. God is with you when you are in your home raising your children. God is with you when you are interacting with your neighbors. And he is with you when you're interacting with your difficult family members. We don't have to be afraid to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ or start spiritual conversations with our family members, co-workers, classmates, or neighbors. When we remember who is with us on mission, we realize that we do not have to be afraid or silent. God is with us on mission. Okay. 
as we move back to our text, we see in verse 20 of our text that Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila left Corinth and went to the city of Ephesus. In verse 21, we see that Paul left Ephesus. While Paul was traveling on mission, Priscilla and Aquila stayed in Ephesus on mission. This leads me to the fourth and final point of this sermon. We should help one another grow on mission. We should help one another grow on mission. We should help other, other brothers and sisters in Christ grow in our faith on mission. Let's look back at verse 24 of our text. It reads, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of the Lord more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah." The Jewish Christian Apollos came to Ephesus proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apollos knew a basic level of knowledge about Jesus Christ. He passionately proclaimed what he knew about Jesus, but he lacked important knowledge about the Christian faith. Apollos only knew about John's baptism, and he did not know about the baptism of Jesus Christ. He also probably lacked other information about the Christian faith. So Priscilla and Aquila invited Apollos to their home to help him grow in his understanding of the Christian faith. Apollos was willing to humble himself and sit under the teaching of this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila. I am glad that this text shows a Christian woman and a Christian man helping their brother in Christ, Apollos, grow in his understanding of the Christian faith. This shows us that both women and men together are to help one another grow in their faith as Christians. After Priscilla and Aquila helped Apollos grow in his faith, Apollos left Ephesus and went to the city of Corinth. In Corinth, Apollos helps build up the faith of Christians in Corinth. Apollos winsomely refuted the non-Christian Jews by showing that Jesus Christ was indeed the promised Messiah. Like Priscilla, Aquila and Apollos, we should help one another grow in our faith as Christians. After I graduated from Indiana University, I moved to Memphis, Tennessee. When I moved to Memphis, I had a basic understanding of the Christian faith. But God used my time in Memphis to grow me as a Christian. When I came to Memphis, I had a very legalistic understanding of Christianity. I knew Jesus had died for my sins, but I felt like my acceptance before God was based on my ability to perform God's commands. Through my church in Memphis and a ministry called Downline, God helped me come to understand the depths of his grace. My brothers and sisters in Christ in Memphis helped me grow in my faith, and we should help one another grow in our faith at this church. 
We can do this on the practical level on a number, in a number of ways. One way we can help one another grow is by joining the Razor's Edge class starting in September at Christ Community Brookside. The Razor's Edge class will help you grow in your ability to follow Jesus and equip you to help others follow Jesus as well. I will be a part of this course starting in September, so if you join, we will be in it together. Another way to help others grow in, in their faith is by seeking out people in our congregation who you can walk alongside and encourage as a brother and sister in Christ. This Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. We should seek opportunities to walk alongside other Christians in our congregation to help one another grow. This is what God calls us to as followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to live our lives on mission together. When we live on mission, we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who lived on earth on mission. Jesus came to the earth as fully man and fully God on a mission to save humanity from sin and death. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live, and he died the death we deserve on the cross of Calvary. After three days, Jesus rose from the grave, conquering Satan, sin, and death. Jesus ascended to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that empowered Jesus for his mission is in us. We do not have to be afraid or silent because our all-powerful God is with us. Through God's power, we can persevere and be on mission wherever we are throughout our week. Through God's power, we can persevere and be on mission wherever we are throughout our week. Through the awesome power of our God, we can live a faithful life on mission for his glory together. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your grace and kindness to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please give us the grace and wisdom to live on mission wherever we are throughout the week, Lord. Please help us grow in our faith and draw us into a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.